you, my good fella. What day is today? Today? Well, it's Christmas Day, of course. One half of Two Boys in a Balcony proudly presents... Come in and know me better, man! A special Yuletide podcast production. I am your host, Sean Sullivan. A shower cook! 25 Days of a Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Welcome back. It's day 18 of the 25 Days of a Christmas Carol. Uh, we're in the home stretch now. Only one more week of shows before this podcast, like the ghost of Christmas present before it withers away and dies. It's been a real treat putting together the show and uh, getting to talk to all my fun guests. And uh, the next seven days, we get a lot of great uh, weird choices, some unexpected guests, some reunions. So keep checking back. If you want to email the show and chat about your favorite Christmas carol, 25carols at gmail.com. Or hit me up, Mr. Sean Sullivan, on all the social medias. Today on the show, no history lesson, because for the first time on this show, but certainly not the last time in my life, the TV guidance counselor, Mr. Ken Reed, has brought a Christmas Carol episode of a one-season sitcom from 1989 that I'd never heard of called The Famous Teddy Z. It stars John Cryer and uh, local Boston hero Mo Rocca. uh, Jesus, Mo Rocca. Uh, Alex Rocco. <laughs> oh, I should not have podcasted for 18 straight days. It stars Alex Rocco, who you probably know best as Mo Green from The Godfather. Uh, I got Mo Rocco on the brain. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool show, and uh, Ken did a lot of the heavy lifting on this one, so we'll see you on the other side of the bells. Ken, what is the famous Teddy Z? Let's start at the beginning on this one because... You never uh, heard of it before. I'd never heard of it before. So when I put this this podcast idea together, I reached out... Um, I made a list of the ones that I definitely wanted to talk about, and then I reached out to people that I knew would have um, favorites that... Uh, were a little more obscure. And you came to me and you said the words, the famous Teddy Z. That's right. And I I swore you were making fun of me to my face. (laughs) No, it's Ted Zakalakis. Yeah. Greek fellow played by John Cryer. Uh, Famous, you know, a famous Greek man. Well, so this was, uh, this was 1989. This was created by Hugh Wilson, who had previously done WKRP in Cincinnati. And, and directed uh, the first Police Academy. Yes, so and let's not let's not let's not slight the man's can't accomplishments. Tom, can't Tom, which uh, stars a friend of mine who I've had on the show, Donovan Scott, who plays Santa Claus every year at uh, Disney World or Disneyland. Oh yeah, he's who, like uh, a professional Santa Claus now. He's uh he's um Barbara. And okay. He's yeah. also Savannah Smiles, and he did a lot. Of, he's the best. Uh, he loves Christmas. He sends the best Christmas cards. Um, But um, yeah, so Hugh Wilson, who did WKRP, created this show. He essentially wanted to do a show about Jewish agents, (laughs) like old Jewish Hollywood agents, which is not a thing you could pitch to a network that they will green light. That is not a thing, especially in 1989. No. And John Cryer was one of those actors that 
networks just put them in a sitcom every year. They're like, we love this guy. Just right. Keep putting him in a sitcom. And he's great, which makes sense. Uh, but nothing really hit until Two and a Half Men. Um, but like George Clooney was in that category. He was in a billion sitcom. There's a bunch of people. Courtney Cox. There's a bunch. Mm-hmm. So pretty much if you got John Cryer to do your sitcom, they would green light it for at least half a season. <laughs> Which was right. the that would happen. And so there was a story at that time that was in not well known outside of Hollywood, but Marlon Brando, who's a crazy person, mm-hmm. uh, was being driven by some intern mailroom kid in a limo to a set. And Brando was being an asshole. And the kid pulled over and pulled Brando out of the car. And he's like, I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you, asshole, and punched him. And then Brando was like, I want this kid to be my manager. <laughs> and so they were like, what are you talking about? And he made CAA hire this Just kid. Just hire this kid from the mailroom. To be his manager. Because okay. he liked that this kid didn't take no shit from him. And like yeah. smack him around. So basically that's the plot of the famous Teddy Z. So they got John Cryer, who works in the mailroom at this uh, this um, management agency. Yeah. He has to drive this Brando-esque actor to the airport gets in a fight with him guy makes him his manager and now teddy z is this like 25 year old kid who doesn't know anything about management who is has an office next to these guys that have been there for 30 40 years so that's kind of the premise okay the premise was sort of a trojan horse to make a show that starred alex rocco quick because that's that was the impression that i got just from uh so this this episode is called season's greetings uh from al floss yeah it's episode 11 of the first and only season of the famous Teddy Z. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a, Al Floss is, is played by uh, a local, local legend, uh, the great Alex Rocco, uh, who most people would know from uh, The Godfather. Yep. He as Mo Green. Green. Um, he also uh, played Joe's father on Facts of Life. Um, he's and he's also, he, you know, he does his darndest to steal the friends of Eddie Coyle from Robert Mitchum. He does. Comes up. Just a little shy, but he's he was, so good in that. He was actually in the mob. Right. Uh. Why he moved out to California. He got in some trouble and his dad was old friends with Leonard Demoy from the neighborhood. Okay. And his dad was like, go out and take Leonard's class, acting class and meet some girls. I always, I always, Leonard Nimoy is from Charlestown. No, Leonard Nimoy is from Scully Square. Okay. It doesn't exist anymore, but was like our burlesque like real den of sin. yeah i forget that we uh we claim we 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 have leonard nimoy in our pocket yeah. yep uh so um, that's why he moved out there and started acting and he, he stole his first role which he worked at this restaurant and a guy who worked there with him he was a bouncer would get like uh sometimes get extras roles on tv and he'd have to get called at work because people didn't have cell phones and one day rocco answered the phone and he pretended the guy wasn't there and the guy was and they're like well we need a guy to be a thug in this batman show and he's like oh yeah i'm an actor and they were like are you can you do that he's like yeah and then they asked him what he'd been in and he knew that the biograph studios in new york had recently burned down so he just started naming all this stuff from there knowing they couldn't check (laughs) and so they hired him and his first role is as a as a thug in batman 66 oh that's wild yeah look at that two episodes a piece of the action and batman satisfaction what a great, what a, I mean, yeah, but he's, you can't. He's such a likable actor. He's incredible in this show to yeah. the point where um, I may uh, try to track down more episodes of this thing because his performance as this character 
I mean, this this whole episode is. I don't know how the rest of the show. Uh, John Cryer is barely in it. Yeah. Uh, the other main cast. It seems like June Sibbett. Jane Sibbett. So Jane Sibbett. Jane Sibbett. I can't read my own writing. Kind of the same character. She played Ross's first wife on. Yeah, Friends she's uh, Carol, the uh, uh, the lesbian wife uh, on Friends. A, she is now a faith healer. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, look. Hey, we all need a little bit of faith healing. It's true. Um, but this thing is just built all around Alex Rocco and his energy and his charisma. And it's again, it's a pretty straightforward take on the, the Christmas Carol story other in than <laughs> in 20. Yeah. They zip through this thing. Um, so I, that's what I, I had some, I had some questions about that. So the, the premise of this, uh, episode is that Alex Rocco uh, Al Floss, he's going to Hawaii the next morning. He's a Jewish man, doesn't celebrate Christmas. He's going mm-hmm. to Hawaii for Christmas. Uh, but he needs John Cryer and uh, Jane Sibbett to stick around, to come into the office on Christmas so they can sign some documents coming in from England. Yeah. Am I getting that right? That's correct. And then uh, they're like, oh, no, we we, we want to go in for Christmas. He doesn't care. He tells them a story about the time when he was new in the agency and he had to come in on Christmas to do the same thing. And then he goes home, he's packing up for Hawaii, goes to bed and he's visited by his old partner. Yeah. His old uh, boss and then partner. Right. Okay. Played by yeah. Bill Macy. Who's from Revere. Oh, look at that. And he's the reason William H. Macy has the fake H in his name. Yeah. The, well, I mean, goddamn unions. That's the reason. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, so uh, the the scene, uh, the Marley scene, so that's the Marley scene that sits in on every Christmas carol. Mm-hmm. Marley comes, visits Scrooge, explains. The exciting incident. <laughs> right, says, hey, you're going to be visited by three ghosts so you don't turn out to be a, sh- a shithead in the afterlife like I was. And it's so funny. Yeah. It's just, I was laughing out loud sitting in my uh, uh, living room watching this. It just... Alex Rocco's just never stops moving or trying to find the funniest way to do something. And I, and I get the impression that's that he's not really doing a ton of acting here. This seems like this is just who he was. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, he, he I, also did some really touching roles too. Like he was in uh, Lady in White, which is an amazing uh, Halloween movie set in the '60s, and he plays this single dad. He even had some great dramatic stuff in Facts of Life. But yeah, comedy he just kills. Yeah, kills it. Um. Uh. And uh, he, uh you sent me his. Uh, you sent me uh, one. I don't. Are you allowed to talk about the 90 minutes of home video that you're sitting on? <laughs> Maybe we mentioned a little bit of it. Yeah. But it's when um, he, still, he won an Emmy for this show. Which is insane. And it was a year after the show had ended because it the last episode aired. Oh, so the show was canceled when he won. Show was canceled. It had been over for a year. Wow. So, but he, he that happened twice. One was at China Beach when Dana Delaney won, and one was this. So, oh, similar times, but what happened basically was the last episode aired, like literally the last day eligible. Yeah, for the, uh, for the Emmy year. submission. So, so he went to the Emmys, like being like, "I'm not going to win this Emmy," and he invited all his sisters from Somerville. Well, and he <laughs> was he was he was not up against slouches. Like he was up yeah. against, uh, I think it was like Woody Harrelson, Kelsey Grammer. I want to I want to get the 
Yeah, it's best supporting actor. So this was in a in a comedy. So this is stuff like John Larroquette had killed this every year, and Larroquette actually the year before had asked them to stop nominating him because he had won too many times. And he was just like, "This is ridiculous." Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's, he won uh, like six times or something. That's and great. He was like he was like, "Why? This is point. There's so many better pe- other people. Like, just I got it. Thanks." And yeah, he, I mean, he he's up against up. he's up against Kelsey Grammer, Woody Harrelson. Uh, Charles Kimbrough uh, for Murphy Brown and uh, Jerry Van Dyke uh, for Coach. Coach. Yeah. Which is, and look, those are three uh, perennial sitcoms that, you know, ran for years and years and years and years. And then for him to come in and just steal it with the famous Teddy Z, a show that's already been canceled. Yeah. That's, it, that's pretty impressive. It's You can see the footage online of him winning the Emmy, and it's like the most surprised I've ever seen somebody win an award. Oh, I mean, he's, he's sitting, like, he's, he seemingly is sitting 30 rows back. Yeah, like, like I did not no see one him. thought he was going to win this. <laughs> but if you look at the, I mean, he absolutely was the best of that group that season, like by far. I mean, I've only seen one episode of this show, and uh, I'm convinced. There's an episode before you know the rest of this one that that is one of my favorite episodes of TV of all time. And I bring it up all the time because it shows how an idea can get perverted and mutate by executives meddling with it, Mm -hmm. but it's done in such a brilliant way that by the end of the show, you totally make sense how you got there. And it starts with these people who made a documentary about the Sandinistas get a development deal with a network to do a documentary film series. Okay. By the end of the show, it's a show about a woman in a tube top with a talking porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> and But every change makes sense because they're like, hey, could we maybe do this? And the, and the filmmaker's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And the scene where Al Floss comes in and he's like, you know, maybe give her like an animal, like a porpoise. You know, and she's got like little shorts and a tube top. So you could be like, boom, boom. <laughs> it's so, and they're like, oh, okay. It's so funny. And it's um, perfect. Let me, let me ask you this, uh, because uh, I, I, I attend in the last couple of years of, I've, I've not been watching modern, no modern sitcom looks like this show. Um, but I, 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 I I can't believe that this is 1989 when you watch it because it feels so, I mean, it feels a couple of years ahead of its time. It feels like it's an early nineties sitcom on Fox and I'm shocked that it was on CBS in the eighties. Yeah. CBS was trying to get younger stuff. They were trying to do more like quality television. They had just done Frank's place, which had been canceled. Um, and they're, they were just kind of, a lot of shows were ending and they were like, we, we don't know what to do. So this kind of just got in there because Hugh Wilson was a proven commodity, essentially. Right. Um, and, and an old guy who made a show that was super innovative, but ridiculously inside. <laughs> like, oh, sure. This show is so like showbiz. Well, I mean, the rip uh, of it that you, you sent me has, you know, the, the old Comedy Central logo in the corner and it feels yeah. like a it feels like a show that comedy central would produce, not a show that would be on CBS primetime. Yeah. And comedy central. So not all the episodes aired of the famous Teddy Z. So comedy central picked it up 
in 91 or 90, no, 92 or 93, I think. Yeah. And it aired it during the day. They would air that, the Duck Factory, and like one or two other shows. But for about a year, they aired a ton of them. And um, the the copies of all the other episodes that I have, which I'll get to you, um, are from a marathon they aired where Alex Rocco hosts each episode. Oh, fun. <laughs> and he kind of talks about the episodes, and it's great. And it also shows you, again, it just reiterates that this is not John Cryer's show. <laughs> No, no, yeah, that they didn't go to John Cryer to do this. Um, well, Cryer knew that. Cryer knew that. Like, like Hugh Wilson came to him and was like, "Hey, I want to do a show about this Al Floss character, but you're going to be the way I get it greenlit." And he was like, "Cool." <laughs> yeah, John Cryer seems maybe like the most agreeable man in Hollywood. I mean, yeah. he did how many seventeen seasons of Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen? He must have yeah. known that, you know, he's second fiddle on this thing, and he that's fine. It's a gig. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, uh, so he goes through. It, it's it's Alf Loss is going to go to Hawaii. He's visited by his old partner. They have that the the Marley scene in this is the funniest version of that I've ever seen. Um, and then he's visited by the ghost. Now, oh, there's one thing I want to mention about that scene too. Is this episode is very similar to Scrooged in a bunch of ways. In so much as they reference Scrooged. And Which they is, reference it because they know that people are probably thinking that, but they're kind of made and conge- like it. It's definitely not a ripoff of Scrooge. No, 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 um, no, no. But it leads to one of the best jokes in that conversation, where his old boss is like, "Oh, they made other. When was the last time they did this story?" He's like, "Oh, they did it last year with Bill Murray." And he's like, "Oh, how did that do?" And he looks up the box office of it. Yeah, no, it's like, like, eh, it's like you know, sixty million dollar return. <laughs> and, yeah. And the, like, and, the, and, yeah, okay. and Miley's impressed. Yeah. He's like, oh, He's like, yeah, not bad. Yeah. All right. And then he even says like, and the best part is it's a public domain story. So you don't have to pay anyone. <laughs> well, that's the, it, that's the best thing about a Christmas Carol is that the whole thing is, is uh, set into motion by him being visited by his partner. Yeah. But it's like Scrooge is carried on. Like this man's life work. Scrooge is continuing and seemingly doing uh, a fine job of, of, of money lending or whatever the hell they do yeah yeah but it, it never once shows any admiration be like look what we do is bad but yeah. game respect game you're yeah. doing it great except yeah. for this version where he's like i'm pretty impressed you guys are actually doing yeah. a nice job over here yeah um it does feel it does feel a lot like scrooged um which uh you know I, I still have to. We're recording these out of order. I still have to to rewatch that. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. But, um, I mean, they keep it so tight. So, talk to me about these the ghosts. They get the ghost of that. We have the the scene where they go back uh, to visit. Uh, it's uh, Alf Loss and his mom in their yep. apartment, and uh, he's complaining about Santa doesn't come to Jewish kids, and he wants a he wants a Hanukkah bike with mud flaps. Yeah. And it's the reveal on that is such a classically structured, really funny sitcom reveal too. Like it's like, yo, I say it as I come. She's like, Al, Alvin, we're Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, but it's perfect. It's perfect. It's really, I mean, I mean, the 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 sitcom DNA is like built into this show. This guy knows Hugh Wilson knows. The great uh, thing too is, Al Floss as a kid is a little dick. Like he's yep. he's just an asshole, but. Rocco manages to make that scene touching because he's like, Oh, my mother, I want to see my mother. Let me stick around and see my father. Like he, 
he misses his parents. Yeah, which is which is an interesting because that's not that is not what Scrooge does in no. every version of Scrooge is constantly asking the ghost to show him no more. Please yeah. stop, 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 stop. And it's and always then, him as a kid who's who's grown, you know, evil over the years. Like right, he, it was full of Christmas for his, but this one is he's just a little he's exactly he's a little the same. shithead, and then he comes back and he grows up and he's yeah he he learns no lesson over the course of this whole episode. Spoiler no. alert! At the end of the yeah. twenty two, I I wrote down initially in my notes. I go, no, I and they do this episode, and this is episode eleven of this show. This is some swinging for the fences stuff. This is seems, yeah. this seems like season three. You might pull out a trick like this. Yeah. But they're going season one, Christmas episode, Christmas Carol, Alf Loss. And I was like, well, at the end of this, does he does he learn? Does he maintain his redemption? No, total nope. complete reset. Not only reset, he's rewarded with the the bike yeah. with the mud flaps. Yeah. And 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 yeah, and there's like a weird sex dream joke in there that works. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, Marley has to turn into uh, uh, a sexy lady with with his voice. Uh, The Ghost of Christmas Present, Ghost of Christmas Past. Are these are these characters on the show? Yes. So the Christmas Past is the current partner. It's the one who replaced Bill Macy. The Christmas Present is the mailroom manager. So he was the guy who was Teddy's boss initially, who okay. was like, who was like, Zakalakis, go drive this guy to the airport. Like, so yeah. he's like the, so these, the these are just class. supporting, these are supporting characters on this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously the ghost of uh, Christmas uh, yet to come is, is John Cryer seemingly out of character. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for what they want to be, or I mean, I mean, it's, they're so good. They, they set it up that this thing is going to be a true Christmas Carol telling. And then they just yank it out at the end by him just going, nah, fuck it. I'm going to Hawaii. Well, cause the, the arc of him seeing that he died, which you're like, cause oh, you're like, Oh, that's he's, fu- he revealed, he see goes, Oh no, I'm dead. And then he's like, I was, how many who, people came to my funeral? funeral? And then he's like, I don't know. He's like a oh, ballpark. He's like, I don't know. 400. He's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how they got there. I packed the house. Yeah. And then there's that amazing line with like, well, you know, people say like a lot of people showed up just to make sure you were dead. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good. And they're in that mausoleum and, and everything, they, the transitions from everything in this are so smooth. Uh, was this uh, uh, this sitcom, is this a uh, in front of studio audience? What's going yeah. on here? Studio audience this is a multicam studio audience show. Okay. It's shot like a classic sitcom. Um, yeah, they're just really good at it. It's, it's, yeah. it has the same DNA of a show like Barney Miller or KRP mm. where it's just lightning fast, but you manage to get character development, a story and a billion jokes in 22 minutes. It's wild. It's just, that's the thing that I'll, and I won't go on this soapbox too high. Cause I go on my show all the time, but the way people write off multicam sitcoms bothers me so much because they're the hardest television comedy to do. Sure. And when they're done well, it is amazing. It's just so hard to do. And yeah. I think a lot of people just uh, write off these shows because of the way they look visually. But I'm like, you don't understand that they had to do the hardest part of a live show, a film show and mm. a low budget. Cause you got like one or two sets all in one and make it work in a week. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's insane. 
And you don't get, I mean, it's just, it's the, I, I can't, I can't ever, I've never been able to wrap my head around the, uh, the acting and building in pausing for laughter. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a naturalistic way to approach anything. It's not, you don't maintain the rhythms of the way normal people speak. Um, it's also, have you ever gone to a sitcom taping? I have not gone to a sitcom taping. It's hell on earth. Um, cause it's literally like six, seven hours. Sometimes. Yeah. You can't leave, right? You can't leave. Um, but as a writer comedy nerd, it's interesting, especially if you get to go see one that's like a true master of this stuff, like a Larroquette or like a Rocco or someone like that who's deceased. But, um, because they do the scenes over and over again, it's not like a play. And they swap out lines and they do the lines, read them differently. And you'll see a guy like that read the line seven different ways and they're all funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing to see. Ah, uh, sweet, sweet alas. Um, any other uh, any other uh, Christmas Carol uh, sitcom episode you like? They, they I, I, You know, I always look at the list. The AV Club put out a, a pretty good list of, it was like 23 uh christmas carols and and the famous teddy z is is in the mix there along with the um along with the uh the wkrp uh did a christmas carol as well yes so Um, hugh wilson and i believe hugh wilson wrote that one as well yeah that probably checks um which is pretty good uh venus flytrap i think is the ghost of christmas present he's very good tim reed um in that there's actually a show called popular that was on the wb i think oh in like yeah 2000 something um, big came out of that who is that um was carly pope was on it i don't know who big came off it but um but they do a good christmas carol version that's very good as well uh, it's gonna bother. Oh, it was created by Ryan Murphy, so that maybe yes. that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's where who did my uh, Leslie story. Bibb, yeah. Carly Pope. I guess I lied. Sarah I Rue, I think, is in it. Um, yep, Sarah Rue. Yeah, why yeah, did I think somebody show. big came out of that? It's oh, a good show, a but um, but they did a good Christmas Carol, uh, Christmas Carol retelling as well. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. But I've not seen a better sitcom retelling of A Christmas Carol than The Famous Teddy Z. I mean, I don't think I... This is the, maybe the best sitcom episode that I've seen in the last, like, five years. It's... Admittedly, the whole show's I good. I don't watch enough, but uh, I'm going to have to check this one out. It Because it... I was I was genuinely... Uh, with the opening credits and that theme song are so late 80s, early 90s. I was yeah. like, well, I'm already checked out on this thing. Because it opens with John Cryer goes, hey, my name's Teddy Zakalakis. Here's oh, what happened. Brutal. And then it's like, Teddy Z, he's the man to see. It's oh. awful. Yeah. And you think yeah. like, oh, this is going to be the coolest guy that's ever lived. I'm surprised he's not on a motorcycle. That's what this music is yeah. saying to me. Yeah. And then he just comes in and it's, I, uh, to be I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know one thing about the famous Teddy Z. And you and it's it's written that way. Although there is a nice moment which we know as if we've watched the show, we know that his parents are dead. Um, but when Al Floss visits Ghost of Christmas Present, when he visits Teddy's grandmother and his little brother, and they don't have Teddy there for Christmas, and he he's like, Where's parents? And he, and he's like, Oh, they died in a car accident. He's like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't oh, like he that's seems true. genuinely yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. genuinely sad that you know he didn't know. Like it's great. No, he doesn't seem like a uh, this Al Floss does not seem like he's a bad guy. I mean, in so much as anybody that's in, uh, you know, management and, and representation in Hollywood yeah. can be considered not a bad guy. Al Floss doesn't seem like he's a bad guy. He's not 
sending making John Cryer stay on Christmas as a punishment. It's just right. this needs to be done, and this is these are the ropes. You're the junior yeah. guy. You got to stay. I had to stay. You have to stay. Yeah, it's um, perfect. Uh, all right, man. For the famous Teddy Z. Uh, I'm gonna definitely hit you up and uh, uh, see if we can get some more copies because this thing is unavailable. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. Um, I did notice it was on Trio's Brilliant but canceled, which reminded me that Trio existed, which made me sad because Trio was awesome. <laughs> I only I only had it when I interned at Conan and I lived in New York, but I watched a lot of fun stuff on Trio. You would think that with all the streaming services and the fact that all these networks own all these shows, that it would be financially ruinous to try to release on DVD. But you have them digitized. Stick them on them a on, server. Put it on Peacock. Put it like, on wh- CBS. Whatever. Why wouldn't you do that? But it's dumb. Yeah. Well, all right. Merry Christmas. Titty Z. (laughs) Zakalakis. Zakalakis. Thanks again to Ken Reed. Uh, We wish him farewell. And, uh, and if you're not listening to uh, TV guidance counselor, his podcast about classic television, uh, you're missing out. Follow him on all the social medias at Kenneth W. Reed and TV Guidance Counselor Podcast on Google.com because I don't have the tags in front of me. Tomorrow on the show, oh boy, oh boy, little stinker, Eric Taylor stops by to discuss Bugs Bunny's Christmas Tales from 1979. It's, uh, it's an eight-minute Looney Tunes Christmas Carol, Yosemite Sam as Ebenezer Scrooge, and me and Eric catching up. He's been a good friend of mine for a number of years, and I'm always excited to talk to that little jerk. So come back tomorrow for Bugs Bunny's Christmas Tales and have a good rest of your day. I'm so tired.